and welcome to Thrift Shop Biography. This is the one about Demi Moore. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hello. So, I found the autobiography of Demi Moore. Or Demi Moore. Demi Moore? Demi? Don't know. What does she say? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Demi now you've corrected me. I think that's how Americans say it. I think English say Demi, but she is American, so it'd be Demi. That's her full name, right? Yeah, she said her mum got it off a a beauty product. (laughs) Because her mum was so obsessed with beauty. Really? Yeah. I wonder what it was. Like Demi Smooth? Demi Glossy? Demi Sheen? Are we getting Demi confused with Semi? No. Seriously? No, French for half is Is Demi. 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 Well, it's French, so we should be saying Demi. Okay. Do you know what? I'm sure she says Demi. It sounds about right, Demi Moore. Yes. She's known as Demi, let's face it. <sighs> to us, British people, yes. Demi. I do think you should pronounce people's names as they would. That should be the rule, I think, for names. Do you like Demi Moore? Yeah. Do you know what? I admit this. I forgot about her. Yeah. Did you think that? I literally read this book and I was like, oh, yeah, she was in that. Oh, my God, was that her? No way. It's like a blast from the past, a time, an era, all those films are actually forgotten. That doesn't mean they're not good. It's just so long ago. Yeah. And because she's disappeared, I think she has, to me she has, I, I forgot about her. Same. Yeah. I kind of saw this book on the shelf and I thought, oh, my God, Demi Moore. <laughs> thought, I want to find out what's happened to her because yeah. it's a new book. It Is was it? Yeah, it was only out like a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I I want to know. Yeah. I want to know more. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so same. Like, yeah, she yeah. was everywhere. She really was, 30 years. 30 years ago. Yeah. 1990, right, was yeah. her big films. In the 90s. Yes. It's a long time ago now. Yeah, it is, isn't it? She was around at the end of the 80s, but mm. her big hits came from 1990s yeah. onwards with Ghost I, and stuff. I just think, it? yeah, apart from Ghost, I think I wasn't the right age or demographic demographic okay. to for any of those films to be my favourite films. I mean, there's like G.I. Jane, Indecent Proposal. I don't know. I saw them, but it didn't impact me. It wasn't like Back to the Future <laughs> or with an L&I. You know, they're not really my... They didn't touch me, but I can see that they were massively popular with other people. Yeah, I forgot how massively popular yeah. her films were, actually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. we both had a lot to learn from yeah. this book. By yeah. the way, we have not spoken about this book until no. right now, no. so I have no idea what no. you think about it. I loved it. Yeah, it's... I mean, I love her. Yeah, I read it like you'd eat a burger, it's hot and you haven't eaten for days. <laughs> I, I read it like that. Yeah. So, should we get into it? Shall we? <laughs> she was born in 1962. I'm not sure she ever said that date. I googled it. She doesn't say that date. She sometimes says, I was 20 when blah, 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 but yeah, she's now 60. She was a bit of a poorly child, wasn't she? mm Kidney problems. Yeah, and it seemed she had a definite real illness, but it flared up with stress because it flared up every time her dad was cheating on her mum and they had to move. So it flared up a lot then? It flared up a bloody lot. <laughs> yeah. Her parents were quite mismatched, weren't they? Or well-matched because oh. they were both a nightmare, if that's a good thing. No. No, no. <laughs> it's a storm meeting a storm, creating a hurricane. So it wasn't good for Demi. 
or her brother Morgan, yep. who came five years later. Five years later. So her mum and her dad were young, really young, seventeen and eighteen or nineteen. <laughs> her mum was definitely seventeen. She just left high school. That's when she had Demi. They were high school sweethearts, basically. Yeah. And he was just a couple of years older. Yeah. He left to go to college and then got a female roommate. And her mum was pretty upset, so she chatted up this bloke, Charlie, and married him, which made the dad, Danny, come running back. Then she got a quick divorce and married Danny. Or did she? And nine months later, they had Demi. Or did they? Yeah. Gosh, it's a mess, isn't it? Yeah. As soon as I read that, I knew... Did you? Because she no, said, she said oh, did they? And I was like, oh. She found out a bit later when she was about 13. Her dad wasn't her real dad. Charlie was. Which is interesting because before she reveals that in the book, she would say stuff like, Danny had a lazy eye. And Demi's, yeah. Demi has got a lazy eye. Yeah. And so she saw the comparisons and she liked that her and what she thought was her dad had the same view on the world because they both had lazy eyes. So it was actually a real shock to her mm. to find out he wasn't her biological father. It's strange as well because her dad's kind of got that olive skin. You know, she's quite dark and her mum wasn't. So you really would believe just looking at images that that's where her heritage falls. She doesn't look like the other bloke. It's weird. So Danny and Ginny yeah. is her mum and dad. And yeah, they're just not responsible parents, yeah. are they? Another clue, I thought, I know where this is going. They're going to be a nightmare because she's calling them by their first names. Yes. And that comes through therapy because the therapist says separate them. They're mm. just people. If you make them into people, they can't hurt you as much because you understand that they're just people who went through stuff and then mm -hmm. had kids rather than always thinking they've got to be your mother and they've got to be your father. And you've got these expectations with that. This is a book written with such wisdom, and I think it comes from Demi becoming a mother herself. Yeah. So from looking at things from that perspective, but it's also quite clear that she's been through years of therapy, but yeah. she needed She them. bloody needed it. Oh, my God. When I think about what's coming up, I just feel quite sick. This poor oh, no. young woman. I mean... There's so many kids out there who just have <sighs> shit childhoods and are really badly neglected. Oh, where do we even go with this? So let's say then that as a child, she's caught between her mum and dad a lot and they move around a lot yeah. for various... Sometimes her mum will take her and her brother to escape their dad mm. and then sometimes a dad will catch up with them and then they might have a debt following them so they'll skip town and go yeah, somewhere like else. Petty criminal shysters. Yeah, they are. They are, really. And they don't just move like... To the next city they'll move like right across yeah, america yeah the dad's a charming gambler is how she describes yeah him. and he is always having affairs and every time the mum's onto it including finding a red pube in the, his underpants <laughs> oh God, that's yeah. detective work isn't it <laughs> but there's all sorts of things she always finds out and then they have to move and take him but she's like you're running from the problem, but you're taking the problem yeah, with you. Yeah, that's it. Every time that the mum yeah. finds out the dad is cheating and she says, let's move, let's it's move. just like, it's not going to change yeah. him. No. So that that's usually the reason. She's literally moved from town to town to state to state, at minimum of two schools a year, Yeah, always trying to fit in. She always learned to adapt to her surroundings and she'd go to a school and she'd sort of go, right, what do I need to do here to fit in? Who do they need me to be? Yeah. And that's when she started actually 
not really knowing who she was, but just working out what people needed her to be. It's kind of like acting. Yeah, no, <laughs> like it, it really is. Finding out the role is. you've got to play. Yeah, yeah, she'd be looking around the school and figuring out who the popular girls were, what they were what wearing, wear, how yeah. they were behaving, and she'd try and become like them just to fit in. Yeah. And then as soon as she would, they'd be off again anyway. Yeah. So a real disjointed childhood for sure for really? her and her little yeah. brother. She does way later in the book say that her mother, way later in her mother's life, is finally diagnosed as bipolar. These things were never diagnosed. They never had the knowledge of that sort of disease. And then on top of that, she's bipolar. He's a charming gambler. They drink all the time and take yeah. prescription drugs yes. all the time. So they're off their heads on top of being... Yeah. Oh, she said that they would go in to like restaurants and stuff as a family and then the mum or the dad would start kicking off with other customers or the staff. I mean, it must Smash have been... plates. She attacked a waitress with her stiletto heel. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. For, for children. They're yeah. not even teenagers at this no. point. They're children. And of course, you don't know any different. She doesn't know any other type of stability exists until one time when they move, she said, actually, I'm going to stay here with my gran. I'm not going to go with you. And she has about six months of a stable home. Yeah. Stuff that she says that she isn't used to, like being picked up from school when she's waiting outside school. Mm-hmm. People just being there for her, yeah. helping her with the homework, normal things. Yeah, she's got routine yeah. in her life. But she's sucked back to her parents of her own volition because I, something in you. That yeah, I think that's just her previous 12 years of being a kid they moved every six months so yeah. it was just some kind of need within her yeah. that after six months of stability with her grandmother she chose to go back to yeah, her parents yeah. again and then of course this is awful when she was around 10 doesn't say the age exactly but when she's around 10 her mum tries to end her life by mm. taking pills and she says that her dad shouted for her her dad was holding the mum down and little Demi was putting her hand down her mum's throat trying to pull the pills out. She said that was the end of my childhood. Yes. from that moment on, I couldn't rely on that woman to take care of me. And she said it gave her dad a bit of a start because it showed him she could leave him, but it also showed her kids that she could leave them yeah. too. And she just sort of basically became the parent. Yeah. Anyway, it helps explain. <laughs> Oh, there, there are the kind of like, no, when you find out what happens to Demi, there's no wondering where it all came from. Mm. It's right there. Oh, yeah. Mum yeah. and dad. Yeah, it's yeah. really obvious. Yeah. yeah. So when she leaves her grandmother's, her parents are all the way over in Washington, which is the other side of the country. So she decides to leave her grandmother's, goes all the way to Washington, and she's there for about two months when they decide to move all the way back yep. again. Oh, my goodness. It's just like they moved around so much as children. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they hadn't paid the rent. Yeah. Or debtors were after them. Or her dad got in debt with mafia. Yeah. Well, that's point. a good reason to leave and town. And he got really beat, beaten up as well. <laughs> yes. No one mentioned it. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about parenting and stuff, I found this quite shocking that Demi wanted to go somewhere and her mum didn't want to take her, so she just let her take the car. Oh, yeah. At the age of 13, and she says, if anybody stops you, just tell them we don't know you have the car. Yeah, right. It's just that there's, like, zero responsibility. But she said they couldn't put any boundaries on her because they put no boundaries on themselves. Right. So it just wasn't in them to do that. One of the places they're at... Her mum actually gets a real job. She works for a magazine and she's got proper money coming in and they get a nice house and she's blatantly having an affair with her boss. Yes. The boss gives her a mink coat and a yes. yellow Cadillac. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. That's pretty much the final straw for her dad. Yeah. So they have one big final row. 
her dad leaves and when she comes home, her dad's gone and her brother's gone. And her mum says, well, he's left and he said he absolutely would not go unless he took Morgan. And she's like, OK, well, I've just lost my dad, but I've also just found out that my dad loves my brother more than me. Yeah. Why didn't he want to take me? Why don't I count for anything? That was before she knew that isn't yeah. her real dad. That's awful, isn't it? Yeah, really awful. It's awful anyway, even if it's she knows it's not her real yeah. dad. The fact that he would go and then just say, well, if, I'll go if I can I'll take, take my the- son. <laughs> I know. Of course, her dad knew he wasn't her real dad, which uh, all makes a bit more sad sense yeah. after yeah. you know that. So yeah. then she's stuck with her bloody mother. And her and her mother then go to West Hollywood and get a tiny apartment in a big complex. And then... Oh, by, by it's complete, really cool. Do you not find it really weird it's that there's surreal. a swimming pool? Yeah, it, it yeah. is. Those sorts of condos, though, with a massive complex, but a shared pool, it's very Butlins or a holiday right. yeah. resort in Britain that still be a working-class person and get mm-hmm. access to a pool. If, so, if there's enough of you sharing it. Yeah, right. So 13-year-old Demi is living in this complex and she's looking over the balcony in the pool and there's a young lady sunning herself in the pool who turns out to be... Nastasia Kinski. Yeah, it's that strange. It is. Well, it's, but it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood, right? And she wasn't even known then. All she sees is this absolutely stunning, beautiful woman by the pool who looks independent and she wants to be like her. She wants to make yeah. friends with her. So she does. She finds out that... Roman Polanski has brought her to America with her mother to put her in a film. Yeah, how old was she? 16? Natasha Kinski was 17. Demi Moore is 13. Yeah. Natasha Kinski is German and she can speak really good English, but she can't read it. So Demi Moore would go and sit down by the pool with her and would read the script to her so she could learn it. Demi really looked up to her and she thought, well, this is what I want to do. I think that was a major influence in her becoming an actor. She thinks, I want this job. She sees it as a job at that point. Yeah. And she says, I'm going to absorb everything. Ask her things like, do you need an agent? How do you get, how does it all work? So she really picked her brain. I think that meeting really kind of changes that young girl's life. It gives her something to aspire to be. And a way out. Yeah. Her mother starts to have regular suicide bids. Yeah. It becomes regular. It's obviously a cry for help. Yeah, Demi's coming home from school and just finding yeah, her mum passed she sort of out. Goes on automatic phones, the ambulance, da da da. Yeah. It's become a normal fact of her life. And around that time, her mum's also taking her out in the town, taking her to bars, even though she's 13, dressing her up, making her look older. At some place when the proprietor is called Val, let's name and shame oh, him. Yeah. Val Dumas. They're in a restaurant and this guy called Val Dumas comes up to them and says, oh, if you like this restaurant, you're like my restaurant. Why don't you come? So Mirabelle, he was a restaurant which I think is yeah. quite famous. So he befriends Ginny and Demi and they go to the restaurant. But it gets to the point where he's, he's waiting for Demi After outside school. the school gate. Yeah, she's feeling awkward about it. She says that she, you know, she just thinks, well, I'd rather get in, be driven home than get on the bus. And then they'll stop by his restaurant and they'll have a meal and she's like well it's broad daylight it's the middle of the day but she does say he's okay but she feels like he could turn at any moment Mm. basically and then one day she comes home from school and he's in the house and there's no one else there yeah so he's either got a key or he's been let in and she's completely baffled really worried about it and he rapes her Oh, this bloke is 40-something, she's 13. Yeah. That's just pure rape. rape. And then later on, he says to her, they're packing up the car. 
Oh, um, that's right. They're moving out of the apartment, yeah. and the mum has asked Val to come and help them yeah. move. So Demi's like, having to be with him. Yeah, this is the man who raped me, and I've now got to help load the car with him. He says, how does it feel to have your mum pimp you out for $500? And she acts like she hasn't heard, and he says it again, those words again, twice, clearly, so she can't miss it. My blood ran cold yeah, I when know. I read that in the book. It's so horrible. As if it isn't bad enough she's been raped to then find out her mum pimped her out. $500, that's all she's worth. Like she says as well, like she can't say for certain that her mum did that. Yeah. But she said now she now Demi is a mother of three daughters. She would never give the key of the yeah. house to a grown man. She can't if, say for certain, but it's... It's, oh, I, I she did it. Yeah, she, she did it. She did that. She did it. Yeah. Ginny's a terrible, unfit mother. Yeah, and it's and such just a shame. Person, that, honestly, not, yeah, not a yeah. nice person. Okay, not a nice person, but to have that as your mother, she's pretty messed up. To be yeah. a young girl, to the point now where it's just the pair of them. You know, Demi is still a teenager. She should be a teenager having fun, not being responsible for her suicidal mother who's now whoring her out for $500. I know. Anyway, Demi, honestly, I love this woman. I love her book and I think she's mm. so wise and everything she's come through. Mm. How she didn't end up a bloody drug addict herself is a miracle. Well, well she kind she, of does. She, she okay, we'll get to yeah. yeah. I think she's so strong, I really yeah. do. But anyway, yeah. we'll get to that. We will. Okay, let's let's talk about her acting career. <laughs> So let's move on. Her mum starts seeing a record producer, right, who gets Demi an acting agent. And then she gets the tiniest part playing yeah. a child prostitute on yeah. TV. But it's enough to get her equity card, yes. her Screen Actors Guild card. So she's on her way to being an actor. Yeah. And she takes it seriously. She's got her foot in the door. You know, she wants to be like Natasha Kinski. And so she gets a part-time job, which pays for acting classes. Yeah, acting class. She meets a bloke called Tom. Yeah, who's a musician. He's 28. She's 16 at this point. The day after she turns 16, she moves out of her mum's house and she moves in with Tommy. Yeah, that's a person who needs to get out as fast as they can. She actually says, there's a quote, it's interesting you said that right now. There's a quote from the book that says, I've been in relationships where power and maturity don't necessarily lie with the people who are older. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, because she is with Tommy and they're together for a short period of time. And then Tommy takes her out to see this band called The Cats. Yeah, he sounds lovely and supportive. Yeah, yeah. And his mum gets her a job. and Yeah, I didn't really get predator vibes from Tommy no, at, all. at all. I guess because of the way Demi is talking about it in the book. Yeah. She's a grown woman at this point. No, he point. sounds lovely. And she actually really apologises for how she treated him. Yes. So it was that yes. way around. And then, so they go and see this band called The Cats, where this guy called Freddie is on stage. And then quite soon, Demi leaves Tommy yeah. for Freddie. She just sees him on stage and goes, he's so charismatic. I want some of that. <laughs> I want it and I want to be it. It's all of it. It'll Maybe some will rub off on me, she actually says. He's also older, but he's also married. Oh, yeah. Which did not stand in Demi's way. And she actually says now, like, I did not consider his wife's yeah. feelings. I was a 16-year-old. Yeah. I did not consider her feelings no. whatsoever. Nor did he. Nor did he. Anyway. that was really quick. She pulled him that night and they went straight to the toilets, she says. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Romantic. And because she dumped Tommy... She also had to give up her job because Tommy's yeah, mum got yeah. her job. But also at the same time, she needed to make her own money. And it was then that somebody put her on to a photographer to take photographs for a Japanese ladies magazine. Yeah, so nude. But she got a bit lucky with that because the photographer was really professional. 
And also took really beautiful photos, so it actually was a way into modelling. Yeah, and because she wasn't 18 yet, I find this so weird, because she wasn't 18 yet, she could be on the front cover of a Glamour mag, because you can't show anything on the front cover, yeah. but you could not be on like the internal right. pages showing anything. So, yeah, because she was younger as well, she just had some tasteful photos yeah, taken. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, a massive spanner came around this time when her dad Killed himself. Yeah. He was 36. I know, right? It's really Nothing. sad. And her brother was only about 14, was yeah. living with him, gassed himself in the car. He'd had liver problems. The doctors have told him to stop drinking and eat red meat, so he did three times more red yeah. meat. Drank. He was trying to. He was to really end his trying life. to kill himself and ended up gassing himself in the car. It was really sad. It's yeah, he was troubled from day one, mm. the dad. He was. Once he knew that Demi knew that he wasn't her dad. Once the whole dad thing came out, she thought that it might be her who backs away, but it wasn't. She met her other dad, realised, no, you're not my dad. My dad's my dad. I don't care if he's my biological dad. Went back to him, but he distanced. He couldn't even yeah, look at her. He couldn't no. look her in the eye. Couldn't hug her anymore. And he completely went cold on her. And that's the dad she wanted. That was the dad she yeah. loved. It's a strange reaction from him. He just, yeah. I think he was almost saving himself from her rejection. Yeah. But she didn't reject him. She didn't at all. But then, of course, she says she wishes she could have said all this, that yeah. I don't want him, I want you to be my dad. But she didn't have the emotional intelligence to say those words. Yeah. And neither did he. Yeah. So it was never said, maybe that's contributed to his downfall, the loss of a daughter that he really obviously loved yeah. Did he though? At some point, he, she thinks neither of them care about oh, her yeah, at no. all. Yeah, they're they were just, just obsessed with oh. each other and trying to destroy each other. God, they this were is... so fucked up. The yeah, really. Oh, it's horrible. And thirty-six is like so. Demi is eighteen, and her dad's thirty-six when yeah. he died. Anyways, shortly after her dad died, it kind of threw her. She... So she married Freddie very shortly after. <laughs> yeah. So she turned eighteen. She married. Freddie. It's always. It's running away, isn't it? Each yeah, thing. oh, she knows it yeah. was for all the wrong yeah. reasons. She knew it was wrong to the point where she cheated on Freddie on her bachelorette night. Oh. She left her own bachelorette party to go off with somebody. I mean, what are you doing? Playing up. Yeah, she's playing up. Yeah. She's got a lot to deal with. Yeah. Anyway, she got assigned to Elite Models. Yeah, with um, John Casablanca, yeah. who we read about in... Janice Dickinson. Yes. Yes, so he signed her. But not only did he sign her, he chose her to go to New York City to look for work. So that's amazing. Yeah. He really, really had faith in her as a model. Yeah. And she had a working time in New York. So she's in New York and Freddie has gone with her. Because he's in a band, but, you know, she has this amazing opportunity. And she gets a commercial, which she buys a flat with that commercial. That's amazing. I think back in the day, you did get paid properly for yeah. commercials. And also property prices wouldn't have been so yeah, astronomical in New York. Yeah. You probably, with a decent... One-off payment. One-off payment. You could easily start up, get a flat in New York. Yeah. And quite soon, she gets an audition for General Hospital. Yeah, which I don't really know, but apparently it was a classic soap in its time. Yeah. To the point where Liz Taylor was doing an extended cameo. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we got it over here, no. but I did know it was a long-running oh, right. soap opera in America. But I had no idea that Demi Moore was ever part of it. Was it like Casualty? Sort of, yeah. Or, or Dynasty at a hospital. Dynasty in a hospital. Yeah, I don't know. Like, was it funny? Uh, was it? Like, oh, like I imagine it was more like over crossroads. the top. Sort of no, 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 no. Oh. I've got no idea. No idea. Anyway, she got the part. <laughs> she, she got into General Hospital. Yeah. 
I kind of thought that seemed to have happened so quickly for her. Yeah, well, she's not really an actor. She's been to a few acting classes, which she dropped out of after she dumped Tommy because it was awkward. Oh, yeah. But she hasn't really been trained. So it's looks... Don't forget she has that amazing voice. Yeah, she has a husky voice because yeah. she's been smoking since she was 13. <laughs> she said it makes her sound older than she was. Yeah. And plus, she just probably had that determination. She just needed She needed it. You don't have to have trained, I guess. Not when you're young. Learn on the job. If you're and young, beautiful. She's, yeah, she's young and beautiful. And with obviously, a husky voice. the X Factor thing. She yeah. obviously has has something charismatic. So she's on General Hospital. Working on a soap can be quite boring. Yeah. It's like it's labour intensive, where you get like a whole week of lines to learn. But then when you're not on set, you're sat in your dressing room, and it's there that she kind of started drinking a little. Yeah, bit. she also says she felt really out of her depth, and it gave her confidence. And also her fellow castmates, particularly the leading man, was drinking in yeah. his dressing room, so she was just joining in for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it sounds like she's having a laugh, but she never wanted to be like her mum. No. So she was always worried about that when drinking. Yeah. But it got really out of hand. Didn't it? Really quick. So she would go out socialising. Because she's got a bit of money and stuff. Yeah. She's in General Hospital. But she says, she doesn't name the person, but she says she goes to a gig by an English new wave band. And she says she's backstage. And she says the last thing she can remember is this English guy telling her to get the fuck out of backstage. And then she blacked out and she woke up the next morning and couldn't remember anything about it. She said that's the first time she realised that her drinking could be a problem. Mm, mm. I'd love to know who that was. Yeah, it's Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, Simon Le Bon. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's on a panel with the cast. Oh, yeah. She's just drunk the whole minibar and... It can't even sit up straight. Yeah. And that's the point where she realises it could affect her career. She goes cold turkey. Yeah, she quits. But then she gets a job in, is it Rio? Blame it on Rio. Yeah. Yeah, filming in Brazil. Yeah. With Michael Caine. Yep. So, oh, there's two types of Caine. There's Michael Caine and cocaine. (laughs) There is. So she obviously is not a lead in this film. She's just playing a smaller part. So she's got lots of time to hang out. And she befriends a local girl called Zizi, who Mm. she's friends with to this day. I love that. But they must have hit the town hard. Oh, yeah. And Brazil. Yeah, they're in Brazil. (laughs) They've got tons of coke. They've got tons of mates. She's earning really good money. She's hired a nice pad. She's young. She's living it up. But she's not drinking, yeah, she's which like, is the main thing. Because it's, I'm not safe to drink. Just have loads of coke. So she comes back stuff. with a coke problem, <laughs> but she really does, and then picks up drinking again. Yeah. Back in general hospitals, and now she's got two problems. Also breaks up with Freddie. Well, she realises that Freddie, they should never have got married. Mm. So she divorces him. He's upset, but she agrees to pay him a year's worth of alimony. So she gets more jobs. She's in a film with John Cryer, which enables her to buy a house of her own. Yeah. So already she's earning good money. And she's now got a couple of films under her belt. So she's left General Hospital getting a couple of films. And then she auditions for a John Hughes movie. Doesn't go so well. But while she's walking out, this kid comes running up to her and says, are you an actress? And she says, yeah. And she says, Joel Schumacher is also auditioning for a new film and he wants to see. So you were just talking about her charisma and stuff. Yeah. If she's in a building full of actresses, there were at least two auditions going on in this, Joel Schumacher and John Hughes. 
And then she's walking down the corridor. Joel Schumacher just spots her yeah. and sends somebody running after her. And doesn't even know she's an actor. And gets her to come and audition for a film, which turns out to be St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. And cut a long story short, she gets a part. Yeah. Which is quite amazing. Did you see that film? Yeah. Is it late 80s? When is it? No, it's early 80s. Oh, it's early 80s. Well, I would say 1984. I think it was too young. I think I was too young. Do you know what? I kind of thought it was quite boring. Really? Yeah. I remember it being around, but I just never saw it. Because all of those, like, Brat Pack films have started to come out around that time, and I loved them. And so I was really eager to see St. Elmo's Fire, and I th- thought it was kind of a bit... Oh, right. Probably a bit too grown up for me at that point. That's it, exactly. Good but theme it's... tune, though. And Emilio Estevez, isn't it? Yes. Like, acting royalty, legends. The Sheens and the Estevezes. Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, and Mr. Sheen. Ah. <laughs> he just flies around the house. <laughs> he cleaned up at the Oscars. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Why do you think Emilio Estevez kept their actual name? Why do you think he's not Emilio Sheen? <laughs> For the reason. <laughs> no, but he would anglicise his name because Charlie Sheen's name is not Charlie Estevez. Oh, he's Carlos Estevez, is he? I think. Yeah. So Emilio could have been Emily. Estevez would be Emily Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's why that's he didn't why change he didn't. it. <laughs> Good. So they hit yes. it off through Emilio Estevez. She gets to hang out with the acting family. Yeah. Oh, we should say right at the beginning of that film, where she was off the rails and the director said, you rehab now. She went, OK, because it was work related. She went there. They said, you've got to go on a 30 day programme. She didn't even realise she's an alcoholic and a drug addict. And she had to deal with her issues. They said 30 days. She said, I've got 15 days until I need to be on the set. And it's all I've got, this job. And they ended up agreeing that she could go to rehab and do 15 days of the programme if she did it absolutely properly and put 100% in. So she did because it was for a job and the director agreed. And she stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs at that point. For a long time. Then they also provided a counsellor for her yes. who was on set all the time she was there. Yeah. What I find astonishing about this, and she finds it astonishing too, because she writes in the book, she's like, I was no one. It was my third yeah, studio movie. They could have just gone with someone they else. They could have just got another actress. Yeah, she really did have something about her. And though. it was an ensemble cast as well. Yeah. She was like one of seven. She said, I could so easily have been replaced. Yeah. But they really went the extra mile. Yeah. To keep her. And it's amazing. You yeah. don't hear stories like that. You hear they don't really care about the talent. You do, and these people get tossed away, especially women. Yeah. Because, I don't know, somehow they're more damaged and they're more replaceable. You know, it's just a model who can talk yeah. sort of thing. But no, she obviously had so much going for her. They really wanted her and they really looked after her. Anyway, Amelia Estevez is what comes out of that film, as well as really great reviews and a career. Sets her up. Yeah, she's on her way. But also, through Emilio, she's going and hanging out with Martin Sheen and this other generation of actors. And she feels intimidated at first because they're also cultured and yeah. stuff. She says really nice stuff about Charlie Sheen, actually. Yeah, she really saying does. Saying how sensitive and, and educated and erudite he is. And how he's misrepresented, even in the roles that he chooses. And she says, if you go back and watch him in Platoon and actually see it through the lens of this sensitive, kind of intelligent man, she says it's a, there's so many layers to the performance. Yeah, she says that doesn't come out of nothing yeah. or nowhere or something. Yeah, yeah well, it's, they're the sheets. They should be good. But also not to underestimate what it takes to make 
those performances. Mm-hmm. Like she says, they all sat around the table and talked about their craft. Yeah. And up to that point, she thought of it as just a job. Mm-hmm. So after St. Elmo's Fire, she gets a film called About Last Night. Have you yeah. seen that? No. Oh, it's just people having sex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Demi Moore and Rob Lowe having sex. Okay. Of course, now she knows Rob Lowe and he's Emilio Estevez's best yeah. mate. So she's having to do sex scenes with him. It's based on a Dave Mamet play, Sexual Perversity in Chicago. Oh, and I've seen that. Yeah, well, that's, that's the brilliant. Film. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the film oh, version okay. of that, just with lots more sex with beautiful mm-hmm. people. But anyway, the director is Ed Zwick. She doesn't audition. He just says, I really want you for this film, but you have to lose weight. And then all of a sudden she's like, what? So that really yeah. is the beginning so of now her. now she's fat. And it's the beginning because the next one, you're too thin. Yeah. Then you're too muscly. Then you're too... And she's just... But also because she's now been through rehab and she's quite sure she's not drinking and she's not doing drugs, she's actually has turned to food. And she knows she's put some weight on. True. But think... nobody has taken her to one side and says, if you want to be in this film, wow. you've got to lose weight. And it's a, it's a big deal, this film. She gave up smoking as well, of course. And that's oh, really hard for it. people always replace cigarettes with yeah. food. But she said that unlike drink and drugs... And cigarettes, you can just go, no, I am not having any more. And that's easy. Your negotiation is over. It's a no. It's a hard no. But you can't not eat. Yeah. What's interesting about this stage of her life where she's having these body issues is that she does her one and only play on Broadway, which requires her to be completely naked on stage. So she's on Broadway in this play where she's naked on stage. Emilio Estevez is filming Stakeout somewhere else in the country. But they because she's on Broadway, she can't visit him. Word gets back to her that he's been having an affair. So she dumps him, but they stay friends. Oh, he tries to win her back by getting a tattoo of a broken heart. I mean, shut up. What an, <laughs> no, what an idiot, honestly. You're an um, actor as well. It's really bad. Yeah, I have really to have it covered <laughs> up all the time. But they stay on good terms. And when Stakeout has its premiere, she goes along to support him. And she meets... Bruce Willis! Yeah. (laughs) And they click immediately. Yeah. I think she thinks he's a bit of a twat for the first ten minutes. And then he just wins her over. Yeah, Yeah. he does. So her and Bruce, it all happens quite quickly, doesn't it? Completely sweeps her off her feet. She's never actually been chatted up in such a way. She says she's met people through work or through this or through Mm -hmm. that. Nobody's pursued her like that. The next day... He calls her up and says, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm just going to go and visit my aunt and uncle. And he says, I'll come with you. And she's like, well, that's really weird. But his house is on the way, so she picks him up. They just end up having a really nice day together. And then she says, yeah, Yeah. she actually says they're rarely apart at this point. Just from basically meeting. Then within a week, they're an item. Yeah. Then they go to Vegas. And he says, let's get married. Mm. She says, all right, then. She said the big thing they had in common is they both wanted a family. They both had unsettled childhoods and both wanted to put down roots and have a family. And they talked about that straight away. And within what? Within a year? She's pregnant. They got married. Yeah, they went to Vegas for a laugh and then bloody got married. And then she says she can trace it back. She got pregnant in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And then TriStar, the film company, because they were both up and coming. Because at that point, Bruce Willis had only done Moonlighting. Um, no, he's a big TV star. He hadn't done Die Hard yet, which was no, his first No, he hadn't done Die Hard. Film. Yeah, so, no, TriStar gave them a yeah, massive wedding. TriStar were going to launch him as a film star, so it was a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lavish wedding. And Little Richard was the 
basically the vicar. <laughs> Little Richard conducted the ceremony. That would be amazing. Hilarious. Just to keep us on track, Demi is 25 at yeah. this point, and she gives birth to her first daughter called Rumour. Rumour. It does seem to say Rumour in the writing. I've never heard it spoken. Oh, it's Rumour. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Rumour. Rumour. <laughs> Her mum is still a problem. Her mum is still oh, making many oh my suicide God. On their wedding and... night, she's the police are called because she's... She, she even says, I can't remember which exact thing, but I remember at two in the morning on my wedding night, the police called because her mum was doing something. Yeah. In her In house. her house that she was staying at. Yeah. yeah. She's just... Do you know what? It's Mariah Carey vibes again. Yeah, it is. And who else that. have we just done? Tina Turner. Yeah. They all look after their horrible mums. Yeah, True. Yeah, yeah, these very famous rich women really hang on to their terrible, terrible how, mothers. How how have they become very famous rich yeah, women? Right. From running from their mothers. Somehow <laughs> yeah. it's a very good combination. So at this point, Demi pays for her mum to go to rehab and she cleans herself up. And as a way of saying thank you, when her mum comes out, she sells stories about Demi to all the tabloids. Yes. Yeah. I mean... All lies. And then the next thing she finds out... All these international papers are all offering her this much for that, this for that. Photos of her when she's young. Photos of her and Bruce Willis in a hot tub. Photos of her baby. Yeah. She begs her to not post the picture of the baby, which she doesn't, but she, the rest, yeah. she can't talk her out of it. God, honestly. And it's so Bruce, Demi, newlyweds, little baby, very happy as a little family. And Demi thinks... Oh, well, she gets an offer to be in the film We're No Angels with Robert De Niro and Sean Penn. Brilliant. Her yeah. career's going really well. Bruce Willis turns around to her and says, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And Demi's like, what are you Bottom talking falls about? falls out of her world in that yeah. one sentence. So Bruce Willis wants Demi Moore to stay at home and be the mother yeah. and the wife. I have to say... The, the whole thing's really annoying. Why didn't they have that conversation before? Well, because I don't think she thought they needed it because when they got together, she was very much a film star. That's very, very true. But why didn't they have that conversation, though? No, why didn't he say that Why didn't he have that, that conversation, then? I, she didn't need to do it. She, why would she assume anything she, would change? He assumed she'd stay at home when she had a kid and she assumed she'd go to work and they didn't bloody talk to each other. Anyway, luckily, yes. Demi Moore does not listen to Bruce Willis because he's off doing all of his shitty films. Yeah, well, he, yeah, that's <laughs> um, the old And it's fashion. good that she doesn't listen to him because the next film she gets is a rather big one. Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. Did you like it? It's so weird. I, I forgot it was her. I know it was Patrick Swayze. And I know it was Whoopi Goldberg. I'd forgotten it was her. Really? Yeah. Oh, she's as much part of it as any yeah, of them. Yeah, just blanked her out. It's like she's faded in the picture. Because she's a good actress. Hey. It is. It's what is, we actually. were talking about at Judy Dench. Every single film, you know, it's Judy Dench. Yeah. Demi Moore, if you don't remember, it's because she embodied that character. It's probably true, actually. Well, I need to watch that again because I know it's a great film. Until I read this book, I didn't realise actually what an interesting film it was because she says mm. it's, it's like three a, films in yeah, one. Yeah, it's a comedy, it's a love story, and it's a thriller. And then you think, yeah, oh my god, it, it is. is. It is. It's true. Yeah, not films generally don't do all yeah. three things. And it became a massive worldwide hit. And everybody was kind of like, oh, it's just this teary rom-com but yeah. then actually it ends up getting nominated for five oscars and no one could throw a bowl on the pottery wheel without it <laughs> seeming like porn for probably still to this day oh yeah well that scene of yeah. them both at the potter's wheel yeah. 
That's undoubtedly one of the most famous scenes yeah. in cinema history. It's at this probably point, like right? the two at the front of the Titanic. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's no, that's exactly what that. it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. the one thing that frustrated me, but I wanted to talk about Patrick Swayze a bit more. Yeah, she says like a couple of lines about lovely. him. He sounds lovely, mm. and because he sounds lovely, I want to hear more about him being lovely. Yeah, I do. I don't really know too much about him. He was quite private. No, I watched a documentary about him, but that, that's for another time. Yeah, she also said what an amazing experience it was to film Ghost, how everybody yeah. was in sync and everybody was looking out for yeah, each other. Because yeah. she said the film with Robert De Niro and Sean Penn wasn't like that. Fractures because Sean Penn didn't get on with the director. Oh, Sean Penn's an arsehole. Could be that, could be that. Also, what's really interesting about Ghost, obviously requires Demi to cry a lot. Yeah. <gasps> and she yeah. found that she couldn't. And she was really well, worried about being... Um, not just on the camera, but she didn't cry as a person. Yes, that's why she couldn't yeah. do it. So they got an acting coach, Harold Guskin, who taught her to breathe and taught her to connect with the emotions. And she said it changed her life. It centred her. And ever since, she's been able to process her own emotions yeah. in real yeah. life so much yeah. more. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. A lot of these films, she says she, she always takes way more out of them than that, like the therapist or the or the rehab or learning to connect with your yeah. own emotions and be yeah. a real human. She said up to that point she thought there was a chip missing mm-hmm. in her brain that she couldn't feel emotions. But she, she, it probably she was. Know how to. She just shut down. Yeah. Because she had so many horrible things happen yeah. to her when she was a child and a young woman. Exactly. I loved that, reading that. There yeah. was an acting coach. It's such a, like a life's... School, isn't it, for actors it being in films? Yeah. You learn so much. Yeah. You get specialists in all sorts. So Bruce Willis then is going off to make a film called Hudson Hawk, which is a massive tug. Do you know that film? Yes. It was flopped, didn't it? Yeah. Terrible. It's a brilliant flop, though, isn't it? Oh, is it? Isn't it? I don't think it's I brilliant. don't know. <laughs> anyway, he was just about to go off and film it. Yeah. And he looks up to Demi and says, I don't know if I want to be married. Yeah. Bombshell again. And she's like, well, you are married and you have a kid. So what are you going to do about it? And she needs firm ground and she's got totally shaky ground under her. And she's already unstable. How the hell she stays sane? Well, she gets a film, The Butcher's Wife. Then she returns. Oh, then they both return from their jobs. The first time they have sex, she gets pregnant and then he's all over the moon again. Yeah, and he forgets ever saying to her that I don't want to be married Yeah, but it's never going to go away, is it? No, of course not. She's never going to be secure. They're just papering over the cracks with a baby. And she actually says that what she realises she does when all that sort of stuff kicks off is her defence mechanism is to become completely independent because then no one can hurt you. Then if they bugger off, you're still okay. I mean, emotionally as well, like, which means you shut your feelings off again, which means you're not vulnerable. But it also means you're not connecting. Yeah, I think because she's had to be so self-sufficient from an early age, yeah. she just learned to look after herself. Yeah. And she would say, like, if Bruce Willis wasn't filming and he'd come to her and say, oh, do you mind if I go and hang out with the boys this weekend? She's like, no, fine, go. Yeah. We'll, we'll be yeah. absolutely fine here without yeah. you. But she realises now the message she was saying to him was, we don't really need you here. Yeah. Whereas he really she should have been involving him more. But if she'd have done that, it would have pushed... You can't win. Yeah. You no, can't you win. can't win. No. All right, well, <laughs> Annie Leibovitz is a legendary photographer. Legendary. And that had been their photographer for their wedding photos, so they kept in touch. And she's basically documented their whole lives together over the years. And so she came to take this photo of Demi Moore for the front cover of Vanity Fair. 
and she's pregnant, but she wanted to, she actually said, I want to look powerful, I want to have makeup, jewellery. And she took lots of pictures of her, and right at the very end, she said, I'll take one just for Bruce. So she was just cupping her boobs with her hand and just covering herself with her hands. It feels like she was very naked. She says, wouldn't it be amazing if they were brave enough to use that photo? So right away, they knew it was the best one. But there's no way they're ever going to put that on the front cover. And they did. They brought out the issue, but they put a little window for her face with a white (laughs) cover on it. So it wasn't obscene to people with nudity on the front cover. And people still went mad about it one way or the other loads of women were really supportive saying this is amazing it's pushing things forward why are we always hiding and she said we have to remember this is in an age where women didn't show off their pregnancies not like they do now yeah it's probably because of yeah, that, that front was cover the first time it ever happened yeah. ever it's just weird because of course it had to happen first once it's just really baffling to me that that was happening in my lifetime and I wasn't really clocking how massive these things were. I remember it coming out and I remember thinking, oh my God, that's so weird. Why would they <laughs> have Demi Moore, who's massively famous, why would they put her naked and pregnant on a cover? Really? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because like, it's nobody had done, yeah. not that it hadn't been on the front cover of a magazine before. I don't think you really saw naked, that's, that's pregnant right. ladies outside of a like Beyonce people like that now they're they're really it's become a symbol of beauty and power as a woman and it was hidden before us to be ashamed of to hide that's weird to think now yeah so that's how much time's changed gosh it was like a a scandal that that was a front cover of magazine massive scandal yeah and I think now if you were to say to people name Three magazine covers through history. Right. I think that would be one of them. I think it's so memorable. She actually says more than any film she's ever done, she's probably more famous for that cover. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But for pushing something on and changing things for the better, great. But like saying, not on purpose. Amazing that they considered the photo session over. Yeah, and it was a private. Wow. Yeah, private photo. Wow. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, very cool. She takes a good photo, doesn't she, Annie Leibovitz? Oh, yeah. She's made quite a career of (laughs) it. quite good at it. (laughs) So the next film is A Few Good Men, but she's pregnant. And the baby is due in August and the rehearsals are in September. So she needs to lose weight. She's got to get fit and very fast. And she starts exercising while she's still pregnant. Yeah. And so, again, this is kind of playing on her body issues again, right? Even though she's pregnant at the moment. Yeah. Gosh, the pressure that no woman should have pressure. She's also the world's most famous pregnant woman. Yeah, she absolutely (laughs) is. God, though, I mean, people like the king's wife, no, William and Kate. Kate! Does exactly the same. She's stick thin the second she's had a baby. Middleton. Bel- yeah. <laughs> Princess or whatever her name is now. Is that because she's not having her own children? I don't think she eats. Oh, I wonder if she's got total disorder of body image. and Makes you wonder what Whether... people are going through. Yeah, I know. If anyone's that slim and they've knocked out four kids, you wonder what they're going through to, to make that happen. It's another thing that this book has made me think, and Mel C., is that when, I mean, as a girl, the people you're looking at as an idol who are beautiful and slim and muscular and everything, you aspire to be that. You have no idea how unhappy they are because of looking like that. Oh, do you know the most shocking thing I learned in the last 10 years? One of the biggest selling celebrity keep fit DVDs, the person on that DVD had major surgery to change their body. So it's just ridiculous. We put these people up to try to... Oh, actually, we don't. They're just an actor. If we decide we should look like them, that is our 
Probably. Well, no, there is a huge industry telling us we well, need to look yeah, like that. There is, there is. Yeah. Well, you know, actually started causing her more trouble because her new baby, she was yeah. breastfeeding it and it wasn't growing. And after like a week of the baby not growing at all, they realised that she was exercising so hard that she was producing an enzyme which breaks down fat, yeah. which meant there was no fat in her breast milk, which meant yes. the baby wasn't growing. Yeah, at all. It just goes to show you that it's just not healthy anyway to be that. No. To ever, no. Well, it's... It's, well, it's not natural. It's excessive exercise, yeah. isn't it? Because if just, it was natural, you'd still be able to grow a baby. Yeah. So she does A Few Good Men, which is another big hit of a film. This is another amazing accidental feminist push forward. Yeah, you're right. Because she says uh, her and Tom Cruise, a man and woman in the military who get court-martialed, and it's really serious. They're fighting for their lives and their careers. And one of the executives is saying... There should be a love scene. We need a sex scene, not yeah, love. Yeah, with Demi Moore and Tom Cruise yeah, in the same film. Yeah, of course we need film. a sex scene. They obviously need to share. <laughs> yeah, and the director's saying absolutely not. It would really harm the story. It would demean how important it is for them to fight this court-martial. And then the executive said, well, why do you even need a woman then? Yeah, right. Oh, my God, that's the only reason you'd put a woman in that part, is if they're useful for sex, basically. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, oh, and she's like, oh. But of course people would think that yeah. because it's a man's the military. It's, it's a man's domain. You know, so she was accidentally pushing things forward. She got cast in a man's role without having to be classically what a woman's for. Yeah. She, just, yeah. just to be a person, yeah. not a woman, to yeah. be a person. Brilliant. This is great stuff. This is really breaking boundaries. Whilst at the same time these boundaries were happening... Same in G.I. Jane. They're saying that warfare isn't the same as it used to be. There is no front line anymore where you have to particularly be strong. War is fought in all sorts of ways. You don't necessarily have to be at the front of a battle line. So there's no reason anymore that a woman shouldn't be Mm -hmm. in the military. Mm -hmm. There's millions of jobs you could do. That was happening. That discussion was happening at the same time as she was portraying these parts. She was just the first one to do it. Amazing that she's mm. just actually, I'm realising, even not through reading the book, through talking about it to yeah. you, she's way more important yeah, I know. I than know. I ever considered. Yeah. 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 I'm saying it's happening by accident, but actually it was this strength of character that was coming through that was... Also, you know, you say she's much more important than I ever met. It's because quite often the first person to do stuff is not the one that people remember. True. They kind of paved the way. That She definitely paved the way because yeah. she got slammed for so oh, much. Yeah, she got she knocked really so much in the press. Yeah. Then the film Indecent Proposal comes. Which, I remember that film. Do you? That's one I've never I watched. I love that film. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was great. And so she's just come off of A Few Good yeah. Men where yeah. she's had to be this athletic military woman. Yeah. But she has to do various sex scenes and Indecent Proposal. Yeah. And the director says to her, can you put on a bit of weight, please? Because I don't want you looking like a man. And he said to her, you will have control over the sex scenes. I'm not going to... We're going to film lots, but I promise I will give you final control. So you're not going to show anything that you don't want to show, but can you put on £10? So, gosh, she's had all these people saying to her, to lose weight, lose weight. Now she's got somebody who says you need to put weight on. Honestly, it's no wonder she's getting body issues. Exactly. She says that's like telling a heroin addict to take heroin. Yeah, Because he doesn't realise what it'll do. Yeah. She kind of does it. But, oh, my God, the description of those sex scenes, the director just (laughs) yelling, actually hollering, she says, Go on! Oh, that's giving me a boner! Ooh! Uh, (laughs) That's that's a... 
grab his dick, all that sort of stuff. She's like, you're literally trying to have a sex scene, but is with Woody Harlson, who's like a brother to her. Yeah. Was it Glenn Close who tipped her off? Yeah, said that he's going to yell at you. <laughs> and then she said it sort of worked in a strange way. Yeah. And then when she has the Robert Redford ones, he's sort of doing it more romantically. And But then, mm. she, yeah, she watches it and says, I didn't need that clause because he did it. It was beautiful. Oh, she together. says it's a film that makes her look most beautiful. Yeah. Weirdly, not having a feminist bone in my brain at that age, whenever that was, I thought it was a really romantic film and quite interesting, whereas women were apparently slamming it, saying if a man was sold, you'd call it slavery, but he sold his wife. And she says she didn't see it like that either. It's marriage, how difficult marriage could be, like if it got stale or something, all that sort of stuff, issues of marriage. And then money, what money can buy? Does everyone have a price? There's no way she'd have done it, then it's a million and that's impossible to refuse. Plus, Robert Redford's very attractive. Yeah. And then it becomes really exciting as well that she gets to be with this other man and then it, it ruins their marriage. All that. It's, there's so much to it that's really, really interesting issues about all sorts. It's not like she's just being sold against her will. She she went along with it. She consented. It's very important. She said, though, that the feminist backlash to yeah. that movie, the things they were saying about that character, oh, this is a millionaire, he's basically paying to rape her, brought back in her head. Well, how does it feel for your mother to haul you out yeah. for $500? Yeah. So it really did I knock know. her in the end. It's an interesting film. It is like, now you've opened my eyes to it. Every single film Demi Moore yeah. did was a massive feminist statement. Yeah. I mean, G.I. Jane's the only one she made happen. She actually made that happen. She picked Ridley Scott to direct it. Mm-hmm. It was her favourite director. All of that, that's coming from her. That really is her making a big feminist statement. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, well, I guess she chose her roles, but they chose her and then she chose yeah. them. Well, so she has a couple of really big films now, striptease and G.I. Jane, which were just massive feminist statements. But also, she is now the highest paid actress in Hollywood. But she gets a lot of backlash for that. It's like this woman can do. They start calling her Gimme More. Gimme More. I think that's quite a cool nickname, really. (laughs) it's good. But like Bruce is getting almost double her wage and no one even mentions it. He's getting 20 million for Die Hard. She got 12 million and she gets vilified. It's it's complete sexism and misogyny. Yeah. She's really attacked all the time for being a strong woman. Yeah. Did you know that she was the highest paid woman in Hollywood at that point? No, isn't that incredible? Yeah, no idea. Like we said at the beginning. I know more about Joan Crawford than I know about Demi Moore and I lived through this. She was in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, actually. It is weird. I guess it's because she disappeared for... I think that so is it. It's just faded away. Anyway, by the way, she had a third kid called Tallulah. Tallulah, that's right. Well, popped anyway. another one out. Popped another one out. <laughs> oh, and they I... decided to split up. Yeah, well, she said that her and Bruce were drifting towards friendship anyway. Yeah, logistics, when you got all the kids and careers, you're just dealing yeah. in logistics. Makes sense. And then, I won't go into the details, but her mum died. Mm. And Demi went and kind of just stayed with her. Yeah, and and saw it, her through that. It helped her a lot to understand her mother and find love for her, which is very important on her personal journey. Oh, and she says when her mum actually died, she went into the bathroom and she says she was only in there for three or four minutes. When she walked out, she felt it was a new phase of her life beginning, like a massive weight had lifted. Yeah, yeah. 
And then that's when she decided, because she'd just come out of filming G.I. Jane, so her body was yeah. exhausted. She'd had years and years of the body issues anyway. And then her mum died. And then in 1998, she just decided, I'm going to spend the next five years just being a mum. Yeah, home. she said forever. It's just that oh, five okay. years later, just... she had an irresistible opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, because the final section of the book is called Surrender. So she also went back and went, do you know what? I'm not going to do the gym anymore. Didn't even go back in that room for years. Yeah, turned it into an office. Oh, forever, yeah. yeah. She said, I'm not going to regulate my food. I'm just going to eat when I'm hungry. She basically let it all go. And she lost weight and became healthy and normal. So she she surrendered. It was a big thing all wrapped up in her mum, wasn't it? Yeah. And that goes and a lot of it went. Five years passes. Five years of being a mother. Normal mother stuff. Really normal life. I like how her and Bruce continued. He ended up living across the road. Yeah, he bought a house across the road. This is in Idaho, we haven't mentioned. They live in Idaho, which sounds like this really beautiful life with mountains and a river at the bottom of the garden, lots of acres of land, space to play, friends can come over. So they're very much a family unit. Real people, yeah. And the girls go between the two houses, just that her and Bruce aren't a married couple anymore. He remarries. Yeah. You know, she's seeing some yoga instructor or something, you know, the... And they're friends and the kids don't feel the split. Yeah, it seems to work. It's it's good. They're good parents. They are good parents, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Five years later, Drew Barrymore goes, oh, we're doing Charlie's Angel, the second one, full throttle. You've got to be in it. We wrote the part for you. No, you have to be in it. The part's written for you. No one else can do it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Eventually she goes, all right. Yeah. So she's drawn back into the... Now, I don't even remember her in that film, and I've seen that more than once. The second one. I've just blanked her out. She's a blank spot in my brain. Yeah, it's weird. I love that film. How do I not know she's in it? Weird. Anyway, she has a very positive time. It's all females being excellent together, and she's doing promo for it in New York. Goes to someone's house for dinner and meets this very attractive young man 25 years old, she is 40, called Aston Kutcher. Yeah. He was famous for doing a TV show, that That 70s 70s show. show. And then he'd also done Punked, which is how I know him. And he'd made that happen. It was a hidden camera show. He does seem, and she talks about him very highly here in the beginning, that he's 25 and he's doing stuff. He's getting stuff done. He's He's got his head screwed on. Yeah, he's a highly motivated, really intelligent, interesting fellow. And he's buying houses and stuff. He's not... He's bought a plot of land. Yeah, he's not a loser. Long Holland Drive because he's building a future. Yeah. He's actually quite grounded. She didn't pay him any attention until he says, she's on the phone saying goodnight to her kids. And he says, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Suddenly she goes, bing. <laughs> oh my God, potential father to my children. <laughs> Loves children. But he did love children. But then she also realises that she probably swept him off his feet a bit by taking him on a private jet and taking him to mm. her three-storey empty apartment in New York with this stunning view of New York. Because just because she was that older, established in the career he wanted, she was basically who he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Same as she latched onto that musician who had charisma. That's who she wanted mm. to be. She did have reservations, though, because she knew that the press were just going to hound them because of the age yes. difference. And I thought it was so clever what they did when they went to the premiere of Charlie's Angels is that she went arm in arm with Ashton Kutcher and Bruce Willis. And the kids. Yeah. So All three kids. Straight away, it's just like, here's everyone here. There's, yeah, there's... don't start stories playing yeah. them off against each other. Oh, Bruce is gutted because a younger man, blah, blah, blah. 
Do you know what? I do like Bruce Willis. I do like Demi yeah. more. They had their differences, but they just seem to be so I grown know. up about yeah. sorting them out. I agree. And they were, they were head over heels in love. Demi and Ashton. Completely in love, yeah. yes. Oh, it made me a bit sick reading it. He was hosting Saturday Night Live and every time he was off camera, he was just constantly texting Yeah, but that's a little bit lost as well at that early stage, isn't it? They just poured their hearts out to each other and she told him about being raped and stuff, which she'd never told a single person. She just felt so connected with him that sort of sexually she was really liberated and stuff. She said she'd never really enjoyed anything that happened to her until then when she went, oh yeah, I do have it, now I have it all. I bet it was really good fun meeting Ashton Kutcher and hanging out and just being young again, maybe. Yeah, I think almost being young for the first time she says that. When she should have been having fun, she was stopping her mum from killing herself. Exactly. She had these older boyfriends and she just had a lot of responsibility, really. And now she's grown up, she's had her kids and at the age of 40, she can just let her hair down and have fun. Except that she says that what she didn't realise is that her kids still needed her. Mm -hmm. She just sort of forgot about that. They was 16 13 and 11 and she kind of abandoned them a little bit at that point well i kind of just got because this is where her and ashton were trying to get pregnant Mm. right yeah all sorts was happening i think they moved in with him as well in his they liked him kids loved him it's funny because when she flew him over to meet them for the first time bruce was passing (laughs) and he went you're a great mom because he thought she'd brought ashton kutcher home (laughs) just as a present for the kids (laughs) Awkward. Yeah. At 25, her 16-year-old daughter would have had a massive crush on him. Yeah, right. If it wasn't her her mum's boyfriend. Yeah. Well, she still might have done. Still might have. And that might have been actually some of the cause of the friction between Demi and her daughter. They might have been jealous. I'll invent it. They might have. Very, very probable that they they were jealous of their mum. Yeah. They were trying to have a kid together. She got pregnant. She got to six months and had a miscarriage. Oh, so sad. And the heartbreak of that, yeah, obviously, was enormous. And But she said she found a note from her youngest daughter that said, you may have lost your baby, but I'm still here. Yeah. That's how much they were going, Mum, right. I need you. Yeah. Like, you can understand that they'd have lost her for a while there. But she says that Aston Kutcher and that relationship became her new addiction. And she put everything into being the best partner for him she could be but you know that miscarriage she kind of said that was the first time she thought that her and Ashton weren't connected because he just didn't grieve or understand her grief in the same way and I think that's where an age gap can make a difference you know he doesn't have experience of being a parent or anything yeah there's lots of ways it can make a difference yeah But also she really beat herself up doubly because she had started drinking again and smoking. Yeah, she started drinking because he drank Mm. and she wanted to be that girlfriend that you can have a drink with and go to a party with. And she'd been sober for so long. Like 20 years or something. She thought it just won't hurt to have a little sip of beer here and there. And then I think they were at some big car race or something and she found herself, she kept going back to the mini bar and topping yeah. herself up and it's just like uh, when I read that I was like damn it no you've done so people, well just step away yeah if you don't have a stop valve you'll never yeah. have one and she started proper drinking again yeah then. You so know. then your kids have lost you they're seeing a different energy from you they don't recognise you in the same way anymore but do you know what the best thing to do in that situation is don't you stop again go to rehab get married oh yeah of course <laughs> so they got married 
I love the fact that they kept it quiet and just told everybody it was a housewarming party. Yeah. And then when everybody got there, it turned out it was a wedding. Yeah, it said Lucy Lou came, <laughs> came in, in late. late with her housewarming gift under her arm and looked both <laughs> bewildered and really happy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also just so wrong. If she had that therapist, then she'd have been going, no, seriously. Well, it wasn't long after the wedding where Ashton Kutcher went off to do a film with Jennifer Jason Lee. Demi is just like, oh, I'll come and visit you on set. And Ashton said to her, no, don't, because I don't think Jennifer wants you there. And Demi's really like, what, what, where has this come from? Anyway, I don't think Ashton knew that Jennifer Jason Lee had the same agent as Demi. So Demi sent a message through her agent saying, what's going on? I'm really sorry if I made her feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That sort of thing. And then she gets a message back saying, what the hell are you talking about? I never said that. So it turns out that Ashton didn't want her there. Yeah, and he didn't know how to say it, so he dissembled. Gosh. Yeah. So he already is sending quite clear messages to Demi now that he needs space. Yeah, I guess she's grieving as well. She probably just clung on to him a bit tight. Yeah. But also, he's 25. He wanted all the good times. He wanted the family. He didn't want grief and the hard times. What is it to be light and fun? And mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Anyway, so Demi just starts drinking more on yeah. 46th birthday party. She's down in the yeah. tequila shots. He basically, do- he wants to end it and he doesn't know how yeah. and he can't say the words. So instead he sleeps around until he gets caught and he blatantly wanted to get caught. Yeah. He went yeah. for people that exposed him like, almost yeah. on purpose. Were you not kind of like a bit baffled by her kids one by one? Well, Tallulah, who's the youngest, who I think is 17 at this point, gets in trouble with the police for underage drinking, right? Yeah. And so she has to go to the police station to kind of bail her out or whatever. And then as soon as they get home, Tallulah goes across the road to live with Bruce because she doesn't want to be with her mum. She says things like, when I got to the station, I should have hugged her. but I was furious with her. No, but I think she did the right thing. I think you do need to be tough with your Yeah, she obviously kid, had years looking back, wondering what it was that she did. Yeah. But I think it was probably the whole build-up, drinking, grieving, basically ignoring her kids' I'm sure not completely, but I'm sure she was going through the motions a bit with them. But she does say it comes to a point where all three of her daughters cut her off. Yeah. And it gets to the point the next sentence in the book is like, I was completely baffled. Yes, yes, And when I read, I'm obviously reading her account of it, I'm equally baffled. Yeah. So you've been reading between the lines. It's really harsh. Yeah, I'm reading between the lines that that whole build-up, they were really neglected. And then she does say, if they were led by my example, I cut my mother off for eight years. She only reconnected with her mother when she knew she was dying, didn't she? Do you know what? No, I have to defend me here. Because Demi as a a mother and her mother and Demi's mother as a mother are two completely different things. Demi's mother was just a horrible old... Yes. She also wasn't just drinking she got into a prescription drug spiral as well so maybe she was hell to live with for a while maybe she was a nightmare for a while I am reading between the lines. Yeah, that's all right. To. We she, do. They're also teenagers as well, so they're going through something anyway. Yeah. But totally cut her off. She had a 50th birthday, not even a phone oh, call. Oh, this broke my heart. So they say to her, if you want us back in your life, you have to go to rehab, which did make me think reading between the lines, okay, she's worse than she's making out in this yes. book because her daughters have given yes. her an ultimatum. Go to rehab. Will be in your life again. She goes to rehab. She finishes it. They still ignore her. They don't. An important part of rehab is having the family meetings. They don't go. 
Yeah. They don't support her. When she comes out of rehab, they still ignore her to the point when nobody calls her on Christmas Day. She has her 50th birthday. Nobody yeah. gets in touch. No. Mother's Day. Nobody gets... Three the, years. At this point, I think the daughter's a bang out of order, actually. Yeah. That's not going to help your recovery, is it? No. I don't think Demi was that bad. Do you know what? <sighs> There's a real problem when you are the daughters of massive film stars and you have money and also I think your mum is overcompensating for how horrible her oh. mum was. You they're think you're hard done by but actually you don't know the meaning yeah. of the word. Yeah, I think they're spoiled. It's possible. And I think actually Demi did a really good job bringing them up until she met Ashton Kutcher and I think those girls have a lot to be grateful yeah. for actually. And I think they really fucking dumped her at a time when yeah. she really needed them. She did say it was it did the world of good to um, find out what really, really being alone was being like and that own. she could do yeah. it. Because she's looking for the positives in every yeah, situation. Yeah, there's that. That was a horrible time, shit. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it's really shit. Yeah. Hopefully they're all right again now. They are. Yeah. Because Bruce like is are. not well at all at the moment. Oh, wow. He's got Alzheimer's. Oh, no. And they're, they're really all rallying around him and looking wow. after him. Wow, OK, stuff, so yeah. they've come together. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I that... I didn't know that. That's awful. Oh, yeah. It's a couple of years now. Anyway. Oh, so just going back to Ashton quickly. They're still talking about having another baby using IVF and stuff. And they start that happening. And then Ashton turns around and says to her, this isn't working. I want no. out. And, and she, she says she was baffled by that because one week earlier he'd sent her a message saying, I am the luckiest man yeah. in the world to have you. He, I think he was really wrestling with guilt about how to end it. And I think he had moments. Because, like, for yeah. example, when he was fucking this 21-year-old, he was sending her flowers saying, you're the best boy. Yeah, so he was just wrestling with it. Do you think it was ultimately because he was just a young man and it was all a bit much? I just think men are dicks. I just think... <laughs> Don't you and, think and they need to use them. <laughs> well, Ashton Kutcher is about 30 at this point. He's just a very good-looking man, famous in Hollywood. He doesn't, want to be, he, yeah, he doesn't want the same woman all the time. He wants to go and have fun. And also, I, I think, is he married now with a few kids? I've got no inkling about what he's up to. Because if he wanted a family, he probably wants a younger woman who can have about three or four kids. You know yeah. what I mean? Because th that would have been the last one. You know, if you've, yeah. she's 42 now trying to have a kid and talking about surrogate, it's like, then you're just going to have an older woman with one child and you probably just want a younger one and oh, I don't, of kids. Oh, I, I don't know. I think he probably just wanted to shag around, didn't he? Probably that. Yeah. Probably a bit of both because the one would be conscious and the other one would be subconscious. Yeah. Do I'd young say. men think about wanting families Well, he, do, he already had said he wants one, which is why, okay. why I think that. Mm -hmm. Lots don't. So good riddance to Ashton, really. And actually, I'm quite glad that she's still in touch with Bruce because I think that was a better yeah, relationship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Bruce is very lucky to have had Demi, that she's still in his life looking after him now. Yeah. I'm sure he still has his other wife, actually. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. But yeah. it's nice that Demi still is... Well, it's the kids and everything. It's a family unit. Those kids are lucky they've got a mother like that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't like those daughters, not after really cutting well, their mother I off. I might keep an eye on them for a minute and see what's going on with them, see how they are and if they're nice or not. 
Well, I've just been really won over by Demi yeah, <laughs> in this book. Yeah. It's weird. I saw this book in the shop and I just thought, oh, that might be... I thought we might know more about Patrick Swayze really? and Ghost and stuff. I had no idea any of this happened to her. Well, me neither. I thought it would just be a fun book about a few good films. There's always a paedophile. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to. Okay, see you next week. And if you're new here, there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue. So make sure you go and enjoy them. Okay, thank you very much.